Welcome to Great Minds Don't Think Alike. You're with Julia, Amaret, and Christian. Um, so today we're going to have a bit of a focus on um, how autism is portrayed in um, TV, film, and literature. Um, yeah, and so we've also interviewed um, Graham Simpson, who is the author of The Rosie Project. And The Rosie Effect. Yes, mm. and The Rosie Effect. So definitely tune into that. So, Christian, you've, had, um, you, you've, you've been thinking quite a lot about uh, this particular issue. What are some, what are, what are some um, portrayals of autism that you really like in TV, film and literature? Um, I really liked the movie Adam. Um, I thought the portrayal of autism there, both by um, both through Hugh Dancy's um, fantastic performance and and the writing, so his mannerisms and his speech and his characterization were really very well rounded and realistic, and looked at many different sides of of autism. But I really do think that it's important to have many different types of characters portrayed because you can't put the uh, the pressure on one single character to represent a whole spectrum. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I think definitely one of the big issues is that um, you know tropes are okay. You can you can have you know the kind of stereotypical, probably you could say cliched um, trope of you know into science, into technology, kind of aspy person. But you also need to making make like characters that you know are you know might have traits of autism that people don't necessarily think of. And, you know, I guess, yeah, like... I think there's that whole thing in media where you have to make something accessible to everyone mm. and therefore you have the tendency to pick things that everyone knows about. And that isn't necessarily the most positive thing to do because then you do have that slightly skewed um, portrayal of who that person is and what their journeys and the the things that they go through and although everyone in the wider community um can say oh you know yeah I I can see what they're getting at here and like yeah he's totally autistic and like off the scale la 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 and they get those those specific references the thing is that when you put all those references in there's for some reason it always seems to come off to me anyway that it's negative and that person then can't function and can't have a normal conversation and they're obsessive about certain things and all that Mm -hmm. um and that is obviously a can be really negative uh portrayal of that of that person and of autism in general and then that's more of a hindrance rather than trying to help and educate the general public about autism yeah, definitely. Um, and I mean, like, tropes and stereotypes, definitely, you know, the autism community isn't the only um, community that have these tropes. Like, you know, the gay community, for instance. Oh, every single gay male is, like, effeminate in most um, media portrayals. But I think one thing that makes it a little bit different is that I think with those kind of stereotypes in the media and... Um, in TV, film or literature is that someone can say, oh, I know someone who's gay who isn't effeminate, but I don't think people have that with autism. I don't think people can say, oh, actually, I know someone who has autism and has quite a lot of friends, even though that, that does exist, because a lot of people don't talk about autism. 
I know. Well, it's it, it, it's true. I mean, there are many autistic people who love trains, science, technology. There are many gay people who love musical theatre. No one's denying that. Um, but there are also many who have other interests. That's, yeah. That's the thing. There are everyone is still an individual. Um, so, I mean, but the thing with autism is that the, the common thing is that um, incredible ability for memory, focus, detail perception. Technology and science are very, very obvious um, think, uh, vocations that those strengths can be directed towards. But there are also many other things like learning languages, for example, which is my passion. So. Yeah, definitely. And, I mean, I also think, you know, just because a character could be, could be cliched doesn't necessarily mean that the character is bad. Uh, one character that I'll say is quite cliched was Don Tillman, who is in the Rosa Project, and we've actually um, interviewed the author of the of the um, Rosa Project, and that will be featured later in the show. But um, what I really liked, you know, Don Tillman, yeah, he's um, a geneticist, you know, science field. Um, <laughs> you know, kind of has issues with social interaction and all those kinds of things. But what I really liked about him and why I think that even though, he, yeah, he is a little bit stereotypical and why I like him is because he is a 3D character. He's not just defined by his neurotype. Whereas I look at some um, portrayals in um, TV and, and books that, you know, the only point of the character being there and the only point that's actually discussed is their neurotype. Um, one example, I mean, this is a, a, a book that will probably polarise... Not, not The Rosie Project, but another book that will probably polarise um, the autistic community is um, The Curious Incident of the Dog in the Nighttime. Yeah, it's like, it's like literally two camps. Like, there's some people who love it, some people who probably don't really like it and like I found that Christopher Boone who was the protagonist of that book I think that there wasn't anything else besides his diagnosis about him his character wasn't 3D it was a 2D character and it had that it sort of had that storyline of you know he's struggling with you know the breakup of his parents relationship and he doesn't understand that but then everything around that was just I have Asperger's, explain it away. I have Asperger's, explain it away. And it just came across as, to me, I, I had to read it twice for school. Um, that that was it. That was like that was just the, that was his character. Like, oh, what's his character? Oh, here's the diagnosis of autism. That's all you need to know about him. Um, his, his unusual observations about the world were, I suppose, the only uh, the only added things besides just the fact yeah. that he is autistic. But and this is another thing as well. Like I read it twice for school. Like so many schools use that book in their in their literature studies and in, even just in English. Um, and it's not exactly a difficult book to read, but it it's like oh, it's a difficult issue. So let's talk about that. Yeah, and it's like that idea of here's all the um, books about able-bodied people. Let's just slide this one into the reading list to shake it up a bit. And so if you're just going to have that view of it's got to be in there for diversity, there's no real actual point to putting it in there at all. Yeah, I, I mean, there's some definitely some good points. I mean, I liked how at the end he did what he did and he was like, ooh, he achieved something. Mm. But, I mean, I know that there was a big issue with... Um, the publishers basically said in the blurb that he had Asperger's. And Mark hadn't had never actually thought that he had a specific diagnosis of autism. And I think one issue is that 
um, the kind of traits that Christopher Boone had, while he's definitely autistic, probably he was probably moderately autistic, not mildly autistic, and so he probably wouldn't actually fit into the Asperger's diagnosis. Um, so essentially what happened is that we've got a character who, well, the publishers say has Asperger's, has a specific diagnosis of autism, when he's probably got a more severe um, form of autism and people think, oh, this more severe form of autism is Asperger's, when it's actually not. And mm. that, again, like, that confuses people who are reading this. And we've already said, like, young people read this book. And, and you, sh- you know, sometimes th- this book could be that young person's first idea and understanding of an autistic person. Mm. Well, and well, th- it comes out wrong. And mm. then that's all they think about. And then, you know, when they're like, oh, you know, he meets Sosa. And they're like, oh, this person clearly has Asperger's and they're autistic and whoa, stay away and from also, that guy. Like, like, I mean, definitely with a lot of people with more mild forms of autism, a lot of people, if they tell their friends, oh, yeah, I have Asperger's, they're like, oh, my God, you seem so normal. And, like, it is, <laughs> it's a bit of an awkward... Um, thing for people to say but also because there is such an overblown of idea of what mild autism is and um, you know actually you've probably met um, quite a few people who have Asperger's and um, you know if you if you have 500 friends on Facebook at least five of your friends have Asperger's and they might be your best friend like you know yeah it, yeah. Is, it is very easy for them to seem normal like you know the, the comment that oh you, you look so normal well I suppose if you just pass them in the street if you're a stranger then you know, some of them are very good at they, they this is one of the things that's mentioned in the Rosie project they um they adopt the social protocols so it's it's not something that's immediately obvious but if you actually know the person you get to see their their differences but it, but it, it, it is very awkward, especially when that seems like it's a compliment. Like, oh, yeah. you, you don't look it. I know, like, and know, it's, like, it's know, so. <laughs> and like, it is. I mean, people say you know, um, autism is invisible, and like, yeah, it is invisible. You, you probably know and work with someone who's on the spectrum, and they don't they don't have to make a big song and dance about it. They probably don't want to make a big song and dance about it because they don't you have think to come out. That's, you know, that's, that's yeah. what some people think they have to do. It's they, is that I mean, that idea that. Mm. If you have Asperger's or you're on the spectrum, that that's a big deal, and there's clearly something extremely, extremely wrong with you. And it's that general idea. So when someone comes out and says, "They're like, oh, but you don't seem that bad," and it's like, well, pff, why do you just think off the bat that I'm going to be, you know, <laughs> completely inept and can't do anything? That's a ridiculous assumption to make. Some people but get. It's the, those yeah. general ideas mm. that are putting it out to the general public every day that mm. that is what it is. And it, yeah, and it, and it is an overblown view. Mm. And like, I mean, yeah, there are some, like, when I when I first read Curious Incident of the Dog in the Nighttime, I was 15. I basically hated everything, so of course I hated that. But there are some good aspects. Um, but I don't think you can say that's what mild autism is like. That's mm. what moderate autism is like. That's like even somewhat severe autism is like. It's. Mm. You can't, and also it's just like a lot of stereotypes are just lumped on one character. 
<sighs> yeah. That's the trouble with fictional portrayals. Like you can't see them as an authority on autism because it is much easier to, to be entertained by a story than to mm. read an academic text on autism. So yeah. and even it's so, a good introduction. But, and even so, an but, academic te- text on autism, yes, there's mm. a lot of accuracy there, but probably the best way to know mm. about autism is actually to meet someone who has autism. Well, to meet many people who have autism. Many because people, Because it's the same actually. thing if you only know one person who's on the spectrum oh. and then you think that everything they do yes. is because they have autism. The, or, brilliant, the mm. brilliant line, oh, yes, I know someone who has, you know, my... my you know, second cousin once removed hmm. is, um, you know, has autism or ASD. Oh, I totally understand how you <laughs> think. Well, guess what? I know, like, I don't know, 100 work with multiple people who don't have autism and I still don't get you guys. So <laughs> you're, you're clearly um, overestimating your ability to understand someone purely on the basis of neurotype. Exactly, and meeting individuals is a great way to learn about the spectrum. But you need to learn, you need to meet and um, and read about um, many fictional and real individuals in order to get that full um, un- understanding of the of the nuances of it, the whole range of personalities. Um, so we are going to um, play our interview with Graham Simpson, um, which you you had the pleasure of interviewing him. Oh, I did. It was it was yeah. wonderful. He it was, was very generous. I'm yeah. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Because I, I mean yeah, it was a great great book, and I would recommend everyone read it. Um, so here it is. Welcome to Great Minds Don't Think Alike. Um, you're here with Sarah and Christian, and today in the studio we have Graham Simpson, the author of The Rosie Project. Welcome to the show, Graham. Thanks very much for having me on the program. Well, today we're sort of going to, um, so we don't give away too much for anyone who hasn't read The Rosie Project, but we are going to explore uh, some of the themes that you've sort of written about there. Uh, some people believe that what autistic people only seem to lack empathy and that what they really experience is an overload of empathy. What do you think of this idea? I'm not an expert on autism or, mm. as we would have said a year ago Asperger's syndrome Mm. that that part of it I'm not an expert in the sense of um, a textbook expert on it Mm -hmm. Um, people say how much research did you do on on autism or Asperger's for the Rosie Project and my answer is 30 years working in information technology I hung out with a lot of people and because of my age and their age they were never diagnosed as having Asperger's syndrome because that diagnosis was not really around until say the mid 90s not, not commonly, and even then it was only seen as a, as a diagnosis of, um, of children, of you know, a developmental issue, rather than something that you applied to adults. So these people never had that diagnosis. Undoubtedly, I worked with a lot of people with Asperger's syndrome, and Don, the character, comes out of that. Uh, and I used to avoid even saying that he had Asperger's syndrome. People mm. would say, well, Don's obviously got Asperger's. Well, we never mm. say it in the book. And I'd say, well, I don't know. I'm not a psychologist. <laughs> but I had a chance to sit down with Tony Atwood, a guru in Asperger's syndrome. And he said to me, Graham, stop it. Don Tillman has Asperger's syndrome. So <laughs> I've, got it, I've, got it, I've got it from the expert. But the, this question about empathy, look, it's one of those words that is value-laid. So if you say you're unempathetic, that's a negative. That's a put-down on you. So what I would say that Don has is difficulty in understanding the protocols of social interactions, difficulty working out how other people are feeling. And he would put it that way. He wouldn't say difficulty, yes, empathy in the sense of I can't walk in their shoes, but he'd probably describe it saying, I'm not sure what what they're feeling at the moment. Whatever. God, how confusing is that? (laughs) 
<clears throat> so I don't know about overload of empathy. It's um, I mean, you know, again, it depends what you, what you mean by empathy. I, yeah. I think I think Don is flooded by stuff that he can't analyse fast enough. That that his mode is saying, I'm trying to work out. I'm talking to two of you at the moment. I'm trying to work out where both of you are coming from. For example, are you positive about what I'm saying? I'm trying to read your faces. Am I hitting the question right, or am I talking too much, or what's going on? And there's two different facial expressions. You're not giving much away. There's a, uh, if there's four of you in the room, overload! <laughs> well, we talk about the, the autism spectrum now. and but, but then people say, well, you're on the spectrum or you're not on the spectrum. I'd like to think that we're all, broadly speaking, on a spectrum, a spectrum at least, in the same way that we're all on a height spectrum. Everybody has a height. And in the same way, I think, with uh, autism, um, we're, all, we're all somewhere on it. So that at one end, you've got people who just... I would put people who do cold readings, people who can look at someone and tell them all about their life. But you, know, you see, I don't believe in the paranormal. So I think those persons just have extraordinarily high degree of ability to read other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at the other end of the scale, you've got people like Don who are really struggling to make sense of what's going on intuitively and have to bring other skills, bring other skills to bear. What do you think are the strengths um, of comedy and romance when it comes to portraying a complex issue such as, such as Asperger's? Yeah, look, I, I think it was, it was interesting because um, I know at least one reviewer um, felt that, that it was inappropriate, but it was in the New York Times, so that wasn't helpful. Um, you know, saying basically, you know, the romantic comedy can't really carry. My view is a romantic comedy is simply a structure. It's, it's, it's a structure, okay, there are certain things that are going to be in there, but they're about, about love and laughter I think are intrinsic parts of life. You know, a love story is one of the most fundamental stories we can have. I think humour opens people up. I think that humour is a tr- can be a tremendously effective way of communicating ideas and to a certain extent emotions. Once 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 you're opened up by humour, you're quite receptive to an emotional hit or unprepared for it in a way. Oh, where did that come from? It's a sucker punch. I was just laughing. I wasn't expecting them to die. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think that humour has helped to normalise in particular and make it accessible and, yeah, and point out hypocrisy um, around minorities. So, but, yeah, yeah. Or, or one thing was I know that the, my American publishers were very pleased in the Rosie Project that I didn't say Don had Asperger's, mm-hmm. be, and, but not for reasons that I was very happy with. Because around the time that I was, we were working together, um, the Newtown massacre, school massacre happened, where the, where the, um, the young man who you know, perpetrated it was identified as having Asperger's syndrome, and suddenly there was this idea of Asperger's syndrome could lead to violence and so on. So they didn't want that idea there. So I pushed back really hard on the second book, and there's a point where Don gets arrested, and the cop, having sort of ascertained that Don is really quite an okay guy, that says, "Look, we've got to send you for a psych assessment because you know if tomorrow you go and shoot up a school, and that's just." Casual, mm-hmm. casual discrimination happening there that, that suddenly, because he's got Asperger's, he might shoot up a school. In the same way as you said, because you're a, um, a person, you know, because you're gay, I can't leave my kids with you or something like that. You know? Ha, ha, ha. The American publishers have asked that I take that, that line out. And did it? Did it get taken out for the American version? I'm not planning to take it out. Good. <laughs> Fantastic. Good. Graham, we'll open up the floor to you now. Is there anything that you would like to chat about or talk about that you don't think we asked with our questions? People do ask, Graham, do you have autism? Do you, do you have Asperger's? Because the Asperger's community have been tremendously supportive of the book. I expected that it might be sort of 80-20. I, you know, I'd run the, the, um, the manuscript past people in the community and had, had great feedback, but I thought it's going to go out there. And this, you know, if any group of people are going to have different views, they're not homogenous, but in fact I've had almost 100% positive feedback. Um, a, because I think Don's the hero, so you know, it's, it's sympathetically written from that point of view, so he's a very decent, good guy, he's a winner mm. even though he has to struggle, and the other is that people say this is a very accurate portrayal of what it's like to have Asperger's, so I guess you must have it. 
And there's also an attitude that if I've got it, then I'm entitled to make jokes. Now, you know, the idea that if you can't make Jewish jokes unless you... I completely reject that second thing, the idea that you can only make Jewish jokes if you're Jewish, if you like, or to the point that Jewish people are entitled to make Jewish jokes. You know, it's either, it's either an OK joke or it's not an OK joke. But the other side is that people say, well, yeah, you couldn't make up this. You must have it. Well, actually, I'm a, a writer. I'm a writer of fiction. All the other characters are made up. Don's made up, but read my next book and there'll be another made-up character in there. And you work very hard to, to, be, to do it as well as you can. And I'm obviously delighted that I've managed to create a character who's seen authentic and, and that's 30 years of hanging out with people and trying to work out what they would do if I did this and therefore what must go on in their heads as much as I can tell I mean you can never inhabit someone else's head but if you're going to write characters you do your best to do it based on how they behave and what you think must be going on so no I, I don't identify as having Asperger's or autism myself um, but I don't think that precludes me from finding humour there and I don't think it precludes me from doing my very best to create a character who, who does have Asperger's Exciting stuff. That Exciting was so stuff. cool. I got to edit that down a bit today. I got to listen to some like just awesome like thoughts that he had about writing the novel and then talking, um, going to like even speeches and stuff and talk, um, talks about writing that novel and meeting um, people like Aspies or who are autistic and the um, things that he went through, like even having those general discussions and seeing just how people related to that and. You know, saying that he got so much positive feedback from this book because yeah. the portrayal is so, like, it, it's as you were respectful. Saying, it is, it's, yeah, exactly, it's respectful. Like, there's a lot of those sort of stereotype ideas in there, but it's portrayed really well, and it's not, it's not just all about having aspects of being autistic. Yeah. Oh no, he, he has his own personality certainly, and there's even a few stereotype busting parts, like the fact that he's he's okay, so he's a geneticist, so he's that's like a geeky nerdy interest. But he he does a a keto. He does he's he, what kind of nerd does martial arts in in in, in terms of um you know popular yeah. like tropes and, and stereotypes. <laughs> exactly, it's a cool thing to see. And he and he <laughs> learns how to uh, make cocktails as well, and, mm. and you know he does lots of different kind of stuff that you wouldn't really expect him to do. Like, yeah. Yeah. My um my favorite part though I, I think was when um he said that this is this is a character who see the he's who sees the world differently, that's p- pure and simple who Don is. He's just yeah, the book exactly. is a chance to see it's first person, so you get to see inside his mind, um, and you get to see how he sees the world, and you may well learn that something from that. You might not agree with everything this character thinks, yeah. but there's exactly. certainly a little truth to it. And like in the um mm. in the interview like parts that I was listening to speaking about how he views um the autistic community as more of a minority rather than just like a a offshot like dis- in being a part of the disability community more like their own mm-hmm. community that is just a minority like and like you know Jewish people or yeah you know African Americans or yeah. something like that you know what I, mean? I guess mm-hmm. yeah I guess that's definitely relevant and um, I mean and he does talk a lot about um sort of discrimination um and very patronising attitudes in the full version of the interview, and it was really it was really good to um, yeah it was good that he he was really attuned to some not so great uh, attitudes towards autistic people and that he's you know against it and he wants to challenge it. Yeah, hmm. I also loved his response to well, you know, you, you write such a realistic portrayal of this character with uh, autism, so you must have autism yourself then. And yeah. he goes, well, well, no, I'm I'm a writer. I I, I can write about people who are different to me. Um, yeah. Which you know, if you extend that, can also mean well, you don't have to be autistic to have 
developed a great understanding of a particular person who's on the yeah, spectrum. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And there is mm. always that idea that you can't speak about it unless it's you know personally yeah. about mm. something. And he spoke about that as well about and um, I, I humor found some, and yeah, and I found I think one I think the way um, one, one thing I really like he said that he wasn't he's not an expert he hasn't got autism. You know, um, the base, he said quite humorously that um, the main research he has done into autism is working in IT for um, (laughs) 30 years. And, um, you know, I think, yeah, that what I found, sorry, it's like he he hasn't taken a medical view. He hasn't taken a personal view. He's taken a view from being a friend and being an equal and being a colleague. And... I think that's probably a, a view that needs to be, you know, I'd say that there's there's more um, importance in that than the medical view or, well, it's I think it's just as important as a personal view. But, like, I think, yeah, I think it's more important than the medical view to have. Yeah, because the medical view is always going to, if, you, if you're going to write something or even portray, you know, in a film and you're using that medical view, that will dominate those aspects of that person's life will dominate and, like, and that will be it. And I think um I think a specific issue about the medical view in um uh T V film literature is that it, it's all what it is, you know, rather than describing, okay, you know, you have a person, your person likes this kind of thing and person does this kind of thing and has these kinds of habits if it's an autistic character it's like okay this person has an obsession and this person has this and this is like a trait everything's a trait rather than (laughs) oh actually this person's just a person yeah and you know they just really happen to like that thing like that doesn't necessarily need to be an obsessive and like, type of thing. I obsess. I obsess everyone, about songs. Have you I seen just listen to the same songs like, over and over? But that doesn't necessarily mean that she must be autistic because she's obsessed <laughs> about this like one thing. I know we we can all relate to these things on on some level. It's it's like especially that kind of criteria for diagnosing little children is sometimes so ridiculously vague like oh you know autistic children may exhibit examples of silly behavior oh well that really narrows it down yeah, to five yeah year olds. great but like <laughs> yeah. as does every other you know <laughs> yeah. kid yeah. has silly behavior well mm. i my niece um recently was diagnosed and um my brother uh who is her father um he went to like a chat and he didn't he doesn't really know much about it and so he went to a like discussion, and all these um, other parents were talking about their children. And he came home, and he um, he just went, "No, she doesn't have it. No, like everything that they spoke about, she doesn't have." And like um, his wife had to say, "Well, just because she doesn't have the certain things that they are necessarily discussing, there are other things. Like it's not always just about these main sections, and these are like you know the." those main ideas about obsessive and about you know not talking or something like that at those mm. young ages it's different for everyone it's not a one-size-fits-all approach yeah i mean i guess that. That, re- that reminds me of um last week um with our donna Win- williams interview how she describes um autism like a fruit salad you know exactly, it's like saying yeah. it's like saying every fruit salad has kiwi fruit no some fruit salads have kiwi fruit other fruit salads don't and I think that's the same with traits. And that's a really good way of viewing autism. Yeah. Exactly, exactly, definitely. So best and worst portrayals of autism. What are some of your favourites? 
my favorites. Um, Mary and Max is certainly one of my favorites. Um, one, one of the reasons is because the, the Aspie character, Max, um, is certainly not the only quirky character, character in the movie. It's, it's a movie that's really about the quirkiness of everyday life. So Max is quirky, but so is everyone else.